Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason, Ben Mandel, Dylan Mel, John Pauline. And the regular season's over. The postseason is over. Baseball is over. It's kind of sad, isn't it? You spent Corey, this- you don't look too sad. You look like you're enjoying a tropical vacation. You're you're enjoying this is what the end of baseball means is, right there behind you. Yeah, it, you're right. It does. I for the first time in my life as a fan, I've been beaten down and battered between my two favorite sports. The Yankees, the Giants have just it's not a good time to to be a fan of the teams I'm a fan of. But there's always a bright future, right? Right? I mean, I got to hope. Imagine, like, the downtime as a Yankees fan is being above 500 still. <laughs> I think this was the worst season in my lifetime, record-wise. I don't know. I think there was a worse one a couple moons ago. No, because no, uh, 2013, they won 86 games. Mm-hmm. That was the worst season. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, no, going, the Yankees have always the middle been of that Yankee dynasty in the 90s. Yeah. Like, this is the worst record they've had since the year they drafted Jeter, I think. Well, you know what that means. Dynasty's about to start. It better. <laughs> it better. I need that. But we might be looking at a new dynasty on our hands, right? The Rangers. Finally, a team puts together great drafting in high price free agent signing in a way that the Dodgers were never able to get to the finish line with. Right? The Dodgers won in 2020, but that was a shortened season. I don't think it, it it's a World Series win, but it isn't a 162, you know, you know, stroll through the, the year. Let me let me put it this way, finish. right? The Tampa Bay Lightning, when they won the Stanley Cup in the, the bubble, they and that was a full season's worth, right? They came back the next year and were still hungry and went and won again. And when they won, they said we needed to go get a real one. Right. And that was after that was a full season. The only difference was they didn't play the games in the opposing arenas. It was just in those bubbles with no crowds. And they said we needed to get a real one. So what does that say about the Dodgers 60 game season? A a, a lot. And, you know, it is an official ring. I don't think anybody should even calling it a Mickey Mouse ring. I don't think is right because they did have to play and they did have to win. But it isn't the same as going through a full 162 with the ups and downs because it's a 60 game race, not a 162 marathon. So I think Rangers were the first team in a long time that have put together, you know, good drafting. They have some of their own guys, plus a really great offseason of free agent signings to fill a lot of holes, plus good trading and, you know, maneuvering that way. So we could be seeing the, you know, the beginning of a new dynasty overtaking what the Astros had done and failed to be a dynasty. So the Rangers went in five. Corey Seager won the MVP. A couple people here did pick the Rangers in five. Everybody but me did pick the Rangers to begin with. Thought the Snakes are going to have it. It's always fun to root for the underdog, right? Rangers win game one, six, five, and 11. Arizona, their lone win came in game two. They won 9-1. Game three in Arizona, Rangers 3-1. Game four, Rangers 11-7. And game five, the Rangers put the cherry on top and shut out Arizona. Five nothing. Guys, if Arizona holds on, doesn't choke away game one, giving up that home run to tie it in the bottom of the ninth, and then that home run in the eleventh to Adolis Garcia to give the Rangers to win. How does this series kind of change? 
it obviously it does make a difference, right? Because Arizona coming home up 2-0 is, is a huge difference. And who knows, maybe Texas has a different kind of response in game two if they had lost game one. But, I mean, definitely a lot of what-ifs. But at the, at the end of the day, Arizona couldn't win a game at home. And that was an issue. So, you know, when you when you look at it, the Diamondbacks had their chances. They had their opportunities. I mean, even in that Philly series, I believe they they still they went two and one at home. Uh, before that, they went one and zero against the Dodgers. So it's not like they had a ton of games at home to try and you know really get a rhythm. But they they still weren't able to to get the win. I know Texas was unbelievable on the road for some reason this postseason, going undefeated. But I, I don't know. I think that's the bigger deal is the fact that Arizona wasn't able to win at home, especially because they got that win on the road. They flipped home field back to them. They had the chance to take care of it, as you saw Texas did, and finish it in Arizona. So I think that's the bigger glaring issue, especially the way Arizona bounced back for game two, not necessarily choking away game one. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything Ben said there. Maybe the series is extended to six or seven games, but ultimately you win a series in five. You don't let a single a team win a single team on their home field. Um, you're the better team, right? So I think at the end of the day, the Rangers still would have come out on top if Arizona had kept game one. I mean, I can't really say anything different. I mean, I think, I mean, <laughs> you guys covered everything I was going to say. So, but I mean, like the Rangers were perfect on the road this postseason, undefeated. I mean, if they drop, you know, that first game or if they even drop, the fir- like, the first two, I mean, odds are they probably sweep the Diamondbacks at Arizona and probably take the series to game seven and still win. See, I kind of disagree because I don't think game two changes much because the Rangers can't go into game two feeling confident in how they played. They had to have gone in feeling like they lucked out and they need to win game two. Well, what if they go in with the same hunger they had in game three? Because obviously it's not easier going into game three after losing like that. But if Arizona, who I think was the better team the first two games, regardless of how they ended up, if Arizona goes into game three up two nothing in the series, I do think just the whole tone of the series is changed. And Arizona Arizona really could have come away with it. I think it's possible in game two, though, that Texas said, oh, we played bad and still beat this team. Like, they could have been really feeling themselves. Right. And the walk-off, the bottom of the ninth homer from Seager, the walk-off by Adolis, they could have been like, Psh, we could do whatever we want with this team and we'll get the right. win. Well, and ultimately, the way the series ended up finishing, it kind of looks like that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that that game one, that home run that Seager hit in the bottom of the ninth, I think that is the most pivotal moment in the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think it's, that not happening could have changed everything. I mean, it's, it's definitely right. But I think the fact that the Diamondbacks went in one game too, they were able to spin it back around off of that. The biggest yeah, key was the fact that they, they weren't able to win at home. You know, they, they, they had the chance to do it. So how does Arizona get back to this spot, you know, either next year or in the, next couple of years with this young core, can they do it? Or was this year kind of like a fluke to you guys? Well, you're going to have to spend some money in free agency, right? It's, it's what's going to have to happen eventually, whether it's happening now, whether it's happening in the future, whether you're retaining guys or not. 
as you can see, the Oakland Athletics way, Moneyball, it doesn't work. You're not going to sustain success that way because you need to be able to retain your players. Now, obviously, we talked about the Corbin Carroll contract when it signed in the uh, preseason and spring training. So, you know, we know that they have that taken care of. But there are other pieces. You know, clearly the Diamondbacks got hot. We don't think that they're a better team than the Dodgers, though, do we? Right, let's let's take take a look at them. You know, are they a better team than the Braves? So the Diamondbacks have to do some soul searching, realize, hey, yeah, we got hot at the right time, but we need to bring in some big free agents. We need to bring in some more pitching. The pitching was not there to compete with some of the top upper echelon staffs. Yeah, Merrill Kelly had a fantastic postseason. That's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to bank on him for a whole 162 next season. They they need to go spend some money. That's how Arizona gets back here because you know a lot of those other teams like San Diego, like the Mets, other teams in the National League, they're going to be back. They still have a lot of talent, and they have the deep pocketbooks. Yeah, here's what I'll say. For Arizona to get back, there does need to be some progression out of their young players, and that's certainly possible. Moreno, Carroll, Fott, those are guys that are all 25 and under. They could certainly get better going into next year. Cattell Marte, in my opinion, he was probably the most consistent for sure, but he was the best player on that team for me for this postseason run. He's 30, so he's still in the prime of his career. So they certainly have the pieces. It's not like anybody besides like Evan Longoria is like, at the door of retirement. But like Ben said, you know, nobody looked at this team and said that team's a world series team going into this season. I'm not even sure if in their own locker room, that was the expectation. So to get back there, especially with just how competitive the MLB is, you know, the Astros, we talked about them last episode. Are they a dynasty for how often they get back? We talked about that because they're the only team that consistently gets back. (laughs) So I don't know if I'd be betting early on the Diamondbacks to get back, but it'll need to be a better version of the team this year. They can't just be the exact same and hope that certain guys overstep and other teams choke. The Dodgers, the Braves, the two most talented rosters in the NL choked. I mean, I don't think it's as much of a fluke as like get them getting to where they got this season. I think it's more of like I think they got there earlier than a lot of people thought they would be because I think, you know, they had a lot of good young talent coming up through their system and stuff, you know, Corbin Carroll and, and everything. And I think they just kind of, you know, made it the World Series in the playoffs, I think, a, you know, a few years earlier than a lot of people expected or anticipated. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, recreate what they did next year, but I mean, like years to come, I mean, I think they're going to be kind of a little bit of a fixture in the postseason especially if their young players keep developing how they are and they keep you know showing up and producing but they also need to like Ben was saying need to spend some money on free agency this offseason like I think they would do the pretty thing would be to go get some more pitching because I think their hitting is pretty good but I think they're they're lacking some of their they're lacking like in pitching I think on both ends, like their starting rotation and the bullpen, I think they need to go get some get some arms in the offseason. I think maybe not next year you might not see them back in the playoffs or World Series, but I think, you know, maybe two, three years they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be like a staple almost. Well, they're in a tough spot because over a full 162, they're probably not gonna finish with a better record than the Dodgers at this point. The Padres very much so underachieved for that roster. Will that happen again? We know San Francisco is willing to open mm-hmm. the bank. So San Francisco is the big team to watch this offseason, I think. So you got three teams in your division that are looking to be World Series teams as well. 
Yeah, but with the way they do the schedule now, you have everyone. Like you're not just it's oh, you're, no, no, you're no, playing everyone I'm, now. I'm not saying yeah, like everyone that plays the same one. Those teams, that's but... still what 20, 42 games of your schedule that's against playoff World Series aspiration teams in the Giants, the playoffs, Padres, and Dodgers. Like, no, no, I just feel like they're going to have to be a wild card team. I would be yeah. shocked if they won their division next year. It would it would take a very down year from the Dodgers, the Padres not doing anything, Again. and the Giants failing to get another star free agent like they did last offseason for the Diamondbacks to really do it. The Giants got arson judge. Yeah, and they also got Carlos Correa <laughs> for a couple minutes. But the Rangers side of the ball, they won. How do they repeat? Now, I know they have to go through Houston again, but we've seen the Rangers this during the season, you know, start off really well, have a large lead in the division and kind of choke it away. Their offense is very, very streaky. I believe they were the streakiest offense in the league this year where they went cold for long periods of time. How do they repeat? How do they get back to the top of the baseball world? Well, for Texas' standpoint, I think the most important thing to look at when you know they turn around is look who's coming back. Look who look who you may have who who says he plans on pitching this season or this twenty twenty four season, and that's Jacob Degrom. Now, whether he actually does or doesn't pitch this season, who knows? But that's another arm that's coming back, hopefully for Texas that you won without. So that's a bonus if he comes in. I think, yeah, you know, the offense went hot and cold. They're not looking to make changes there. I, you know, the core is locked up. The, you know, Semyon, Seeger, Josh Jung, you know, uh, Jonah Heim, like these guys, the core of their lineup. That's going to stay the same. The Adolis Garcias are not going anywhere. The hot and cold they're going to live with. It's going to be, but they need consistent pitching yeah nathan evaldi was great for them this year in the regular season but what did he do in the playoffs they got lucky that the other arms stepped up uh john gray is now a reliever so they're gonna have to go out and they're gonna hit the starting pitching market and you know that's really where they're gonna have to go there are a lot of veteran starting pitchers that are going to be free agents this year and that's where texas is going to have to look and spend most of their assets especially because they did have to give up some pieces in order to get some of their deadline acquisitions so the farm is starting to shrink as well yeah completely agree with you there ben the team also they're gonna have to re-sign guys scherzer he's probably done Right. I mean, he hasn't come out and said it, but are we assuming he's going to be back? And if he's back at what capacity? It's not like he was a big deal for them. I don't think you could bank on Max Scherzer at this point. Jordan Montgomery, another free agent. We've talked about a reunion with the Yankees. You know, there's there's going to be plenty of teams interested in Jordan Montgomery after what he did in this postseason. Eovaldi, like you said, career year. Next year, he's going to be going in at 33, 34 years old. Jacob deGrom coming off another surgery. This team needs to focus on starting pitching. Uh, it starts at bringing back Montgomery, but even targeting another arm. You know, John, I know you don't want to hear this, but Aaron Nola, that guy is a workhorse who's going to be on the market. Pay up. And Marcus Simeon declined his player option. You're going to have to bring him back and pay him too. And it's time to open up the checkbook. And like it is with every team that wins a championship, everybody's got to get paid. There's actually a good chance they might get Nola because I think – they, I think they were saying that uh, he was asking too much and the Phillies wanted to give him. Last well, night, where did so. Cole Hamels go? 
then you go you got to went to the rangers yes, so i mean does. what's that what's that state tax in texas like i, mm-hmm. I forget <laughs> <laughs> it's a good chance though but i mean the rangers i mean i don't like ben said i don't think they're gonna mess with the offense much if any like they're probably gonna live with the you know hot cold and streaky stuff and just hope that their pitching can carry them and that's i think where they were lacking the most this this season but i think a lot like you know I think it would have. They don't think they would have struggled as much if they had the Grom. So I think one of the big things they just got to make sure and keep everyone healthy as best they can. But that's that's tough, you know, with 162 games. That's tough throughout the whole season. Keep everyone, you know, healthy. Ben knows better than anybody what the task of keeping Jacob Degrom healthy for your team looks like. Possible task. <laughs> but I mean, they got to look at pitching free. The better he pitches, the more hurt he gets. <laughs> and he's putting a lot of stress on that arm to pitch that well. Yeah, Yeah, this is probably the worst World Series for Yankees and Met fans because what Yankee fan wanted to see a Roldis Chapman win a ring and what Met fan wanted DeGrom to win a ring? Even though DeGrom didn't pitch, he still got a ring. Uh, You know what? No, and it would have been if DeGrom won it with the Braves, yeah, that's a problem. He won it for an American League West team. I don't care. Yeah, and talk about the resiliency of the Rangers. I mean – they were hot to start the year. DeGrom gets I hurt. wrote them off at really the end of cold. August. Well, a lot of us wrote them off. They come back. Bruce Bochy goes into the playoffs and doesn't even lose a road game. Yeah, Corey, Corey misses, a, misses a show. I run the show, and I'm sitting there going on a tirade about how you put a fork in <laughs> yeah, Texas. That was you and I. That was you yeah. and I. We went, on, we, went we went on a whole, like, tirade about how Texas then, uh, is done. I'm sitting, there, I'm sitting there editing the show. I'm like, these guys are right. Texas is done. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would have argued against that. I would have said, yeah, you could have you got Yeah, hot. yeah. No, actually, so I was the one who didn't pick them to win the World Series. I was sitting there like, Texas is going to win the World Series. Just John and Ben wait as I'm putting this up. Yeah. <laughs> But this was the lowest rated World Series in years, right? What does baseball, what does the MLB have to do to get people watching again? Is it just that the matchup wasn't enticing? How do you fix this? Well, there's you can't fix a matchup, right? So so throw that right can. out the we'll throw that, no, throw that right out the window. Um I think really it's just uh, what's the What's the biggest thing, I think, the difference in baseball as we've gotten older? Pitching. Pitchers aren't going as deep into games anymore. You're not seeing go as long. You know, the pitching quality isn't as good. And I think that's been the biggest drop-off in baseball is you don't have enough competent pitching anymore. And there's nothing that the game can do about it. It's just the way the game has transitioned. Um, it's the the way the analytics have been, the way the numbers are, the way, you know, guys train now, you know. Uh, a lot of these pitchers are having Tommy John surgeries before they're even debuting in the major league. So yeah, it's, I think that is the biggest issue is the quality of pitching. Just there's not enough. There's not enough depth. Too many teams need pitching. How many times did we see growing up teams just stick it out with a guy who has a six ERA for a full season? I mean, they, that guy's DFA and gone now, if he can eat innings and find a way to get out of it, sometimes they'll just stick with it because there's just not enough depth. And I think it's, it's quality control at this point. Yeah. I think this world series was the worst possible outcome for the MLB in terms of their agenda, right? You bring in the pitch clock this year. You heard a purist like Corey go off at the beginning of the season about it. And it didn't drive Corey away, but I bet it drove certain fans away from this sport. It drove Corey then, crazy though. That's for sure. 
Right, and they drove a lot of fans crazy. And you do that because you're trying to bring in a different audience. Well, what does that different audience want? Star players. Texas and Arizona weren't exactly full of star players. And I get it. To people like us who have a podcast and talk about baseball, we like those guys. But to casuals, no Aaron Judge, no Bryce Harper, no Mike Trout, no Shohei Otani, no Astros, no big market, you know, that mix of things is what led to the low rating of this World Series. You didn't bring in the casuals with the matchup, and you lost some of your pure fans by changing the rules on them this season. So overall, I'm sure the MLB will bounce back next year if you get a bigger market team in, whether even if this year it was Houston or Philadelphia. If it was a repeat of last year, it definitely would have done better in the ratings just because of the market size. But listen, if baseball is going in a new direction. Sometimes when you make a change, you get out the gate slow. I think that it'll be fine in two to three years and you get a bigger market team in there like L.A. or one of the New York teams. You'll see the rating bounce back up. I think they just got unlucky with the matchup. I mean, obviously, it's just, you know, you had Arizona again, you know, Diamondbacks against the Rangers. And it's like, I mean, I guess it was the, it would have been the Rangers first World Series win if they won and they did. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's still such a you know, small market compared to like, you know, other teams like if it was Yankees no or Phillies. Small market. In comparison to, well, in terms of when we're talking about eight million, we're talking about eight million watching the World Series, and we're saying that was low. So in terms of that, can we also talk about the accessibility of streaming for a lot of these now? And I mean, because a lot of people have dropped cable. If you get networks, I mean, now obviously for the World Series it's different because it's always on Fox, but. For the playoffs leading up, there are a lot. Like for me, I don't have I don't have TNT, I don't have TBS. So yeah. you know, I know right now they're doing the special thing on HBO Max where I'm getting it through there. Uh, but that's only through February 24th. You have to pay an additional like 10 bucks a month for TBS. So, well, right. And then it's tough to develop a fandom that way. You want to bring a new fan in. Exactly. You can't you're... watch their team play. In yeah, the that... NFL, you can watch your team play every Sunday with exactly. one of two options, red zone or it's right on direct cable. Baseball, as a Yankees fan, it's hard for me to find games. Well, Imagine like between... if I was a Rockies fan. Well, between, yes, Apple TV, Peacock, ESPN, TBS, Amazon. Like, there's so many different places that you have to, like, so many different streaming services you need just to watch these games. It's killing viewership. And it's, you know, we're not even talking about blackouts at that point, too. And that's exactly the MLB TV blackouts because you can't even just go pay for an MLB TV subscription and bypass all of them. And then if you're a fan of your local team, you're not there. I think we'll talk more about this in the offseason. Well, how about Dylan living in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, and the Yankees are a local blackout? Yeah, but I get the Mets. Makes no sense. (laughs) Like, why? They're like blocks away from each other. Yeah. (laughs) But let's run through some other things that happened in the baseball world. The White Sox declined Tim Anderson's option, $14 million option, and I can't think of anybody who's – you know, killed their stock in the league more than Tim Anderson over the last 12 months. Locker room problem. They're not bringing him back. No, of course not. And he well, was thought of as a nice young, you know, Chicago. star players, you know, a star shortstop. And now he's maybe he'll be a bench player. I can't imagine he'll sign as a starter anywhere. Cause well, he had 12 months ago. You said Wander Franco and Tim Anderson were never going to play baseball again after this year. He not necessarily listening. about Tim Anderson, but still. Yeah, Those are two young shortstops that were expected to be stars. Yeah, no. They'll be in Miami. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Miami took a shot on Tim Anderson. But other news, though, Justin Turner declined his player option with Boston. That was for $13.4 million. He's a free agent. Boston declined Corey Kluber's $11 million option. He's a free agent. Marcus Stroman opted out of the Cubs contract that he had signed, and he is somebody who has killed his market by basically trashing two of the, you know, most uh, – two of the richest teams in baseball, the Yankees and Mets. Just everything he's done and said about them, like – those are the two teams you need to drive your market up. So he'll never make as much money as he could if yeah. he was. A He's a pitcher. Player. It doesn't matter what you do as a pitcher now. Pitchers are going to get paid. There's no doubt. Find, he'll find a he home in Boston. Exactly. To drive no up doubt. that price. He, Boston he will, will pay, pay him for money. sure. <laughs> I don't think uh, he can handle Boston. He is a mentally weak player. <laughs> I don't know if the fans of Boston can handle Stroman. That's true too. I mean, Stroman is not somebody that should be around the game much longer with how he's acted. And he's one of the biggest clowns in the whole sport. The Reds, they declined Joey Votto's $20 million option. That's expected. He's not really playing much. They're a young team. He's old. Future Hall of Famer, Reds all-time great. It's interesting to see where he goes. Does he go somewhere else, or does he just go off into the sunset and retire? He'll be ring chases for a year. He's still got enough left in the bat that I'd love to see him in some meaningful games. But at the same time, I know a lot of purists are like, I love to see a guy start to finish one team. It was really special seeing David Wright retire as a Met. And now David Wright obviously was in a situation where injuries cut him short, not the Mets not wanting him to play anymore. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a little bit different. But I was saying before the pod, you know, Joey Votto is that type of player, in my opinion, where he is like, I feel like to the Reds organization, he must mean what David Wright meant to us as a Mets fans. Has to. And quite frankly, I think he should just retire, you know, just for his health. You know, he's a, let him be around Cincinnati, an ambassador to the fans. I think there's still enough for him to do there. And if they do end up winning World Series, he should still get a ring from the team for all he's done to bring them back to relevance and just keep them there during their down years. Eduardo Rodriguez, he opted out of the final three years, $49 million left on his deal with the Tigers. He's somebody mm-hmm. we talked about during the uh, trade deadline, somebody who could have been moved. He ultimately wasn't moved. That's because we knew he was going to opt out. Yeah, and I'm interested to see where he goes because three for 49 is not a bad deal, and I don't know if he beats that by a lot if he does based on how he has pitched. Andrew Heaney opted in to his deal with the Rangers for $13 million. That's somebody who I never thought would be a mainstay on a team, but he had played well in the postseason. And, you know, the Rangers should be wanting to get everybody back, right? Yeah. Texas opted into their $6 million option with Jose Leclerc. He's somebody I can see getting a contract extension at this point because that is a severe underpay for the performance he has had. Yeah, but no brainer for Texas. The White Sox, they declined a $15 million option on Liam Hendricks. Coming back from cancer, it was nice to see him back, but he just isn't the same pitcher that he was when he was with Oakland. Yeah, I hope that if like there's not a huge market for him, Chicago brings him back just on some kind of deal. Yeah. Maybe he'd accept something that's team-friendly just to kind of stay with the organization. Mike Clevenger declined his $12 million option with the White Sox. He's a free agent. Somebody who has the talent, hasn't really been able to, been able to put it together. Had a couple of good years in Cleveland. Really wasn't able to do much with the Padres. Now with the White Sox, I'm interested to see what type of contract he gets. I would assume more of like a prove-it one-year deal with an option for a second year. 
Cody Bellinger declined his $25 million mutual option with the Cubs. He's in line for a massive payday. Yeah, Yankees need a left fielder. Yankees need a center fielder, too. Uh, Bellinger yeah. could play both. And yeah, and he hits lefty. And he can and play his, first. <laughs> and his dad and his da- daddy was a Yankee. Want to ring with the Yanks. You know, I, I we're not pushing that, an agenda here, though. No, of course not. The Tigers, they traded minor league pitcher Blake Holub for Marcana, the blue of the Brewers. Okay. First trade <laughs> of the offseason. Not really uh I don't think moves the needle much. Ben, I mean, you had Canna all year. He was a nice player, but does he move the needle for uh no, and that's exactly why the Brewers moved off of him because he's getting paid a lot of money uh, for two more years, and at the end of the day, he's a platoon outfielder. I saw that the Tigers' World Series odds jumped pretty drastically after that move. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, the, Corey, I just want to say there's one free agent that I think is – obviously, he's not under the radar because he's a huge name, but is going to be a huge, huge impact and huge sought-after piece, and that's Josh Hader. I, I am really, really interested to see where that plays out because I think even yeah. teams that have closers may be interested in trying to get that big lefty in the bullpen as someone who could also get right-handers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the last uh, news part I want to just go over is Toronto and <laughs> Whitmerfield both declined their mutual option. Whitmerfield's a million. joke, man. And Whit Merrifield is a joke. He's their lone silver slugger candidate. I think Toronto's window is fully closed now. No. I think, I think that Moreno-Varsho trade destroyed any chance of uh, success they had, ruined their offense. You still got Vladdy, Bichette. Those guys are so young that the I window that is still open. I think that window is closed. They or are, just as a Blue Jays hater. Uh, I don't think about them at all. But it's interesting when you see both sides decline a mutual option. I don't know what what Merrifield's not going to get more than eighteen million dollars, and that's why I was like, "What is he thinking?" Especially at thirty-four years old. Maybe he feels like you. He said, "That's it. This team sucks. I'm out of here. I'll even take less to play somewhere else." I don't know who would want him. I don't trust. Honestly, he would be if the Wilpons were still in New York. He would one hundred percent be a Wilpon four year, twenty five mil deal. There's plenty of teams like you, Merrifield. He's got speed. He's got a bat. I just don't know what he's thinking. He's going to make less than ten million, maybe twelve at the tops. Yeah, maybe he wants to win. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's like, I got my money. Let me go to a winning situation and leave this dreadful Toronto behind. I also know that the taxes are like terrible there. Yeah. So if he takes less in like a Florida team or a Texas team, it'll be yeah. the same. Probably. And now the last thing I do want to talk about is the Padres taking a $50 million loan to pay their salary. <laughs> now the last team to have been known to do this was the Wilpon led Mets, but that was for a different circumstance that involved a Ponzi scheme. Bernie Madoff. It could be the same. The circumstance, and we just it don't could know be yet. That the Padres are leading their own Ponzi <laughs> scheme. I, they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to start selling. I don't know how they can afford it. Soto's going to be in line for a big deal. They're ready. So this basically it. ensures Juan Soto is not being signed to an extension. I think so. Welcome to New York, Juan. Which side of New York? Apparently, he said he wants Queens. Yeah. He could get a nice apartment there. But that's the Bronx gonna, isn't too far. That's going to do it here. For I know us. someone at Waterline. 
That'll do it here for us. Ben Mandel, Corey Jason, Dylan Mel, John Pauline. Keep tuning in. We're going to have some good stuff in the offseason. Baseball Hall of Fame voting, my favorite time of the year is coming. So keep it tuning in.